0: Chapter Twenty Two of Taking the Bastille. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Taking the Bastille by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Twenty Two The Private Council. Louis entered briskly but heavily, as was his wont. His manner was busy and curious, strongly contrasting with the queen's cold rigidity. His high color had not left him. An early riser, and proud of the hardiness he had imbibed with the morning breeze, he breathed noisily and set his foot vigorously on the floor. "'The doctor—what has become of the doctor?' he inquired. "'Good morning, sire. How do you feel this morning? Are you tired?' "'I have slept six hours, my allowance. I feel very well, and my head is clear. But you are a little pale. I heard you had sent for the new doctor.' "'Here is Dr. Gilbert,' said the Queen, standing aside from a window recess where the doctor had been screened by the curtains. "'But were you unwell that you sent for him?' continued the monarch. "'You blush!' You must have some secret, since you consult him instead of the regular doctors of the household. But have a care. Dr. Gilbert is one of my confidential friends, and if you tell him anything, he will repeat it to me. The queen had become purple from being merely red. Nay, sire, said Gilbert, smiling. What? Has the queen corrupted my friends?' Marie Antoinette laughed one of those dry, half-suppressed laughs, signifying that the conversation had gone far enough, or it fatigues. Gilbert understood, but the king did not. "'Come, doctor, since this amuses the queen, let me hear the joke.' "'I was asking the doctor why you called him so early. I own that his presence at Versailles much puzzles me,' said the queen." "'I was wanting the doctor to talk politics with him,' said Louis, his brow darkening. "'Oh, very well,' said she, taking a seat as if to listen. "'But we are not going to talk pleasant stuff, so we must go away to spare you an additional pang.' "'Do you call business matters pangs?' majestically said the queen. "'I would like you to stay, Dr. Gilbert. Surely you will not disobey me.' "'But I want the doctor's opinion, and he cannot give it according to his conscience if you are biased. "'What risk does he run of displeasing me by speaking according to his conscience?' she demanded. "'That is easy to understand, madame. "'You have your own line of policy, which is not always ours, so— "'You would clearly imply that the Gilbert policy runs counter to mine?' "'It should be so, from the ideas your majesty knows me to entertain,' said Gilbert. "'But your majesty should know that I will speak the truth before you as plainly as to his majesty.' "'That is a gain,' said Marie Antoinette. "'Truth is not always good to speak,' observed the monarch. "'When useful,' suggested Gilbert. "'And the intention good,' added the queen. "'We do not doubt that,' said King Louis.' but if you are wise madame you will leave the doctor free use of his language which i stand in need of sire since the queen provokes the truth and i know her mind is too noble and powerful to dread it i prefer to speak before both my sovereigns i ask it i have faith in your majesty's wisdom said gilbert bowing to the lady the question turns on the king's glory and happiness then you are right to have faith in me. Commence, sir. Well, I advise the king to go to Paris. A spark dropping into the eight thousand pounds of gunpowder in the city hall cellars would not have caused the explosion of this sentence in the queen's bosom. There, said the king, who had been startled by her cry, I told you so, doctor. The king, proceeded the indignant woman, in a city revolted among scythes and pitchforks borne by the villains who massacred the swiss and murdered count launay and provost the king crossing the city hall square and slipping in the blood of his defenders you are insane to speak thus sir gilbert lowered his eyes as in respect but said not a word the king writhed in his chair as though on a red-hot grid Madame, said the doctor at last, I have seen Paris, and you have not even been out of the palace to see Versailles. Do you know what Paris is about? Storming some other Bastille, jeered the queen. Assuredly not, but Paris knows there is another fortress between it and the king. The city is collecting the deputies of its forty-eight wards and sending them here. Let them come, said the queen with fierce joy. They will be hotly received. Take care, madame, for they come not alone, but escorted by twenty thousand national guards. What is that? Do not speak lightly of an institution which will be a power one day. It will bind and unbind. "'My lord, you have ten thousand men "'who are equal to these twenty thousand, said the queen. "'Call them up to give these blackguards their chastisement, "'and the example which all this revolutionary spawn has need of. "'I would sweep them all away in a week if I were listened to.' "'How deceived you are by others,' said Gilbert, "'shaking his head sadly. "'Alas! Think of civil war excited by a queen.' only one did so and she went down to the grave with the epithet of the foreigner excited by me what do you mean did i fire on the bastille without provocation pray instead of urging violence hearken to reason interposed the king continue he said to gilbert spare the king a battle with doubtful issue these hates which grow hotter at a distance these boastings which become courage on occasion you may by gentleness soften the contact of this army with the palace let the king meet them these twenty thousand are coming perhaps to conquer the king let him conquer them and turn them into his own bodyguard for they are the people the king nodded approval "'But do you not know what will be said?' she cried. "'That the king applauds what was done, "'the slaying of his faithful Switzers, "'the massacre of his officers, "'the putting his handsome city to fire and blood. "'You will make him dethrone himself "'and thank these gentlemen.' "'A disdainful smile passed over her lips. "'No, madame, there is your mistake. "'This conduct would mean "'there is some justice in the people's grievances.' I come to pardon where they overstepped the dealing of wild justice. I am the king and the chief, the head of the French Revolution, as Henry IV was head of the League and the Nation. Your generals are my officers, your National Guards my soldiers, your magistrates my own. Instead of urging me on, follow me if you can. The length of my stride will prove that I lead in the footsteps of Charlemagne. "'He is right,' the king said ruefully. "'Oh, sire, for mercy's sake, do not listen to this man, your enemy. "'Her Majesty tells you what she thinks of my suggestion,' said Gilbert. "'I think, sir, that you are the only person who has ever ventured to tell me the truth,' commented Louis Sixteenth. "'The truth? Is that what you have told?' exclaimed the queen. "'Heaven have mercy!' "'Yes, madame,' said Gilbert and believe me that it is the lamp by which the throne and royalty will be prevented rolling into the abyss. He bowed very humbly as he spoke to the queen, who appeared profoundly touched this time, by his humility or the reasoning. The king rose with a decisive air, as though determined on realization, but from his habit of doing nothing without consulting with his consort he asked, Do you approve? "'It must be,' was her rejoinder. "'I am not asking for your abnegation, but support in my belief. "'In that case, I am convinced that the realm will become the meanest "'and most deplorable of all in Christendom.' "'You exaggerate. Deplorable, I grant, but mean?' "'Your ancestors left you a dreary inheritance,' said Marie Antoinette sorrowfully. "'Which I grieve you should share,' added Louis." "'Allow me to say, sire, that the future may not be so lamentable,' interposed Gilbert, who pitied the dethroned rulers. "'A despotic monarchy has ceased, but a constitutional one commences.' "'Am I the man to found that in France?' asked the king. "'Why not?' exclaimed the queen, catching some hope from Gilbert's suggestion. "'Madame, I see clearly.' from the day when i walk among men like themselves i lose all the factitious strength necessary to govern france as the louis before me did the french want a master and one who will wield the sword i feel no power to strike not to strike those who would rob your children of their estate cried the queen and who wish to break the lilies on your crown what am i to answer if i answer no i raise in you one of those storms which embitter my life you know how to hate so much the better for you you can be unjust i do not reproach you for it is an excellent trait in the lordly madame we must resign ourselves it takes strength to push ahead this car with scythe bladed wheels and we lack strength "'That is bad, for it will run over our children,' sighed Marie Antoinette. "'I know it, but we shall not be pushing it. "'We can draw it back, sire.' "'Oh, beware,' said Gilbert deeply. "'It will crush you, then. "'Let him speak what the newspapers have been saying for a week past. "'At any rate, he wraps up the bitterness of his free speech,' said the king. "'In short, I shall go to Paris.' "'Who knows, but you will find it the gulf, I fear,' said the queen, in a hollow, irritated voice. "'The assassin may be there with his bullet. "'Who will know, among a thousand threatening fists, which holds the dagger?' "'Fear nothing of that sort. They love me,' said Louis. "'You make me pity you for saying that. "'They love you who slay and mangle, and cut the throats of your representatives. "'The governor of the Bastille was your image.' They killed that brave and faithful servitor, as they would kill you in his stead. The more easy as they know you, and that you would turn the other cheek to the smiter. If you are killed, what about my children? concluded the queen. Madame struck in Gilbert, deeming it time he intervened. The king is so respected that I fear that his entry will be like that of Juggernaut, under whose wheels the fanatics will throw themselves to be crushed. "'This march into Paris will be a triumphal progress.' "'I am rather of the doctor's opinion,' said the monarch. "'Say you are eager to enjoy this triumph,' said the queen. "'The king is right, and his eagerness proves the accuracy of his judgment on men and events. "'The sooner his majesty is, the greater will be his triumph. "'By delay the gain may be lost.' this promptness will change the king's position and make the act in some way his order lose time sire and their demand will be an order not to-day master gilbert said the queen to-morrow grant me till then and i swear not to oppose the movement but who knows what will happen meanwhile Expostulated the king in despair Marie, you seem doomed to ruin me. The Assembly will send me some addresses which will rob me of all the merit in taking the first step. Gilbert nodded. Better so, said the Queen with sullen fury. Refuse and preserve your regal dignity. Go not to Paris, but wage war from here. And if we must die here, let us fall like rulers, like masters, like Christians, who cling to their God as to their crown the king saw from her excitement that he must give way but what do you expect between whiles he inquired a reinforcement from germany or news from town it was a coat of mail which the king refused to wear but her misapprehension of the monarch who knew he was not of the times when kings wore armor cost a precious time without other safeguard than gilbert's breast as the latter rode in the coach beside the monarch the visit to paris was made in the queen's drive in the champs-elyses mayor Bailey offered him the city keys saying sire i bring your majesty the keys of the good city they are the same offered to henry iv he won his people but the people have now won their king on the return all having passed smoothly crossing louis 15th place a shot was fired from across the river and gilbert felt a stroke The bullet had hit one of his steel vest buttons and glanced off into the crowd, and killed an unfortunate woman. The king heard her scream, and heard the shot. "'Burning powder in my honor?' he said. "'Yes, sire,' was Gilbert's easy reply. It was never known what hand fired this regicidal shot, which justified the queen's fear that her husband would be assassinated.' While all was festivity at Paris, gloom settled down on Versailles at eventide. With darkness came its retinue of fears and sinister visions, when suddenly uproar was heard at the end of the town. The queen shuddered, and ran to a window which she opened with her own hand. A hussar came up to the palace. It was a lieutenant sent by Charny, who had gone on towards Paris to get the news. He reported that the king was safe and sound, and that he would arrive shortly. Taking her two children by the hand, Marie Antoinette went down and out upon the grand staircase, where were grouped the servants and their courtiers. Her piercing eye perceived a woman in white leaning on the stone balustrade and eagerly looking into the shadows it was countess andrea enrapt in expectation of her husband so that she did not see her royal mistress or disdain to notice her whether she bore the queen rancour or merely yearned to see her husband it was a double stab for the beloved of charny but she had determined on the righteous course she trod her jealousy under foot she immolated her secret joys and wrath to the sanctity of the conjugal oath no doubt from heaven was sent this salutary love to raise her husband and children above all else her pride too lifted her above earthly desires and she could be selfish without deserving blame as the coach came up, she descended the steps, and when its door was opened, and Louis stepped out, she did not notice how the grooms and footmen hastened to tear off the rosettes and streamers of the new popular colors with which billet and Pitou, and others of the throng, had decorated the vehicle and horses. With an outcry of love and delight, the queen embraced the king. She sobbed as though she had fully expected never again to see him. In her impulse of an overburdened heart, she did not remark the hand-grasp the Sharnies exchanged in the darkness. As the royal children kissed their father, the elder boy spied the cockade reddened by the torchlight on his father's hat, and exclaimed with his childish astonishment, Oh, papa, what is on your white cockade? Blood? It was the national red spying it herself the queen plucked it off with profound disgust as the king stooped as if to kiss his daughter but really to hide his shame the madwoman did not think that she was insulting the nation which would repay her at an early day throw the thing away she cried casting it down the steps so that all the escort tramped over it this strange transition extinguished her phase of marital love she looked round for charny without appearing to do so he had fallen back into the ranks like a soldier i thank you my lord she said to him at last you have kept your promise to restore the king to me unhurt who is that inquired the sovereign oh charny but where is gilbert whom i do not see come to supper said the queen to change the subject go to the countess my lord charny and bring her we shall have a family supper party to-night she was the queen again but still she was vexed that the count who had been sad should cheer up at the prospect of his wife being in the company end of chapter twenty two